Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. Welcome to the Evolvepreneur After Hours podcast. I am your host, Christine Campbell Rappin, and I am on a complete and utter mission to help more entrepreneurs make a difference by navigating the messy world of startup, growth, relaunch, reinvention, and sometimes the occasional block twist. Joining us today, we've got a guest who's going to help shine the light and help us dig deeper into the concepts and strategies that will help you fast track your business. Today, our guest is Dominic Montgomery, who is the owner of the Montgomery Group, a digital marketing and advertising AG agency, which is wow, serving over 350 clients nationwide. And he's also the co-founder of Audience Rent. It's an automated platform that allows advertisers and brands to partner in a way that's never been achievable before now. So at the cutting edge of technology, Dominic, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I love it. So I am curious. You've been an agency owner for quite a while, mm-hmm. but take us back to the early days. What did you think it would look like when you made the leap to open your door and put up the shingle and say, I'm in business and I'm going to go into the competitive landscape of digital marketing? Talk us through the beginning of your story. Great, great question. Um, beginning of the, this journey started in California. Um, I've always been into tech, always been into computers. I uh, ended up working at a production, uh, post, post-production house uh, in Studio City, where we sent out movie trailers and commercials for uh, Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, all that good stuff. Um, that backing and kind of becoming the youngest uh, client manager there uh, led me into marketing uh, and led me into the digital world. Um, so I started working out or working at an agency in Tulsa, Oklahoma, got recruited out here. Uh, and this agency focused on, uh, attorney marketing. So law firm marketing, which isn't sexy by any means. Uh, it's a lot of, they might have a bone to pick with you there. (laughs) Right. Um, so started working there and, um, what I found, and you know, this is prior to, starting my own shop. But what I found was that agency and a lot of other agencies that I had buddies were colleagues working at, um, the way they were built was they had a lot of their departments uh, siloed. So and their development, design, uh, PPC, AdWords, advertising, whatnot, and then sales. And from working there, I, I just realized that there was no connectivity. Like if you worked in design, you didn't know how that design affected the ads, or you didn't know if you were working in ad copy, you didn't know how that affected SEO. And I really thought that that siloing was, was kind of deterring some of the success that we could have. Uh, what I ended up doing was just, uh, you know, over time I became CTOs and CTO allowed me to jump from department to department. And I basically learned every department, um, and, and learned why everything worked together. And, and being in that position and having that title allowed me to reach out to a lot of other C-level executives in, the, in marketing, and I would fly out and meet with them. And and um, when I decided to take the jump into my own agency, it was because I felt like I had centralized all that information and could accomplish everything uh, solo, where everything worked together. So from design to SEO to everything, needed to have a marketing mindset behind it and, and all made sense. So when I jumped into starting the Montgomery Group, what I thought it would look like was instant success. <laughs> and <It wasn't. 
Something I wasn't known, but no, by no means was it instant success. Um, I started off, uh, you know, I hired some salespeople, gave them a heck of a commission, you know, hey, go sell this out. Well, I was lucky in that when I'd left that one agency, I had a few clients who came along with me. So I started off with a pretty good monthly base. Um, but in order to get new clients, I wasn't good at that because I was never in sales. I just wanted to learn the tech, the marketing behind uh, all that we do. Uh, so I, ha- I had to get good at sales. Uh, and what I did was I relied on technology to help be the sales force for me. Uh, so what that looked like was, honestly, and this was 10 years ago, uh, there was a tool called If This Then That, so IFTT, IFTTT. Uh, and basically, it allows you to automate a lot of things online that you couldn't necessarily automate, uh, kind of like um, what is Zapier uh, is now, but this was prior to Zapier. Uh, and it allowed me to, uh, I used Craigslist, believe it or not. I used Craigslist and ran queries in the top 20 cities in, in America uh, for anyone looking for SEO, web design, uh, 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 marketing, digital advertising, anything like that. So I ran those queries and basically told the system, if anyone in these 20 cities makes a post that mentions these keywords, then send out this automated email to them. And, you know, I wrote this email that basically said, I'm the guy for you. Here's who we work with. Let's work together. And that actually jump-started the Montgomery Group. And we ended up that year with like 15 or 20 new clients just from Craigslist outreach which is insane i don't think it will work now i think 10 years ago people were a lot more uh uh you know easy to talk to in that sense uh but uh that's kind of how we started and that's not how i saw it happening (laughs) (laughs) i love i love this there's a couple of really good nuggets here i actually do think it would work now i would love to test this because i think one of the key things about how to have marketing breakthrough is to market like it is 10 years ago because it is disruptive in a kind of charm i'm gonna say charming charming way and what i loved about your story here is also is that i i realized i had i had to have sales you know this is an interesting thing i think so often when we do take a skill set with us from a corporate world where you're an employee in a design house to going on your own you're saying you know I, i knew how things worked in the background but i just thought my clients would follow and you were very lucky to have clients that go many times that doesn't actually come into fruition and then people are saying but where are all the people? I'm like, you must get good at this. Everybody's job is to sell. And that you you found people who needed what you had. Because I think that's often the thing. We get really caught up in designing our own service offering, thinking, well, it will be obvious that somebody needs this. Right. When you actually switched that around and said, they're already searching. I just need to be the guy they find. Yeah. And I could show up in their inbox. I think there's some real magic in there because you can never stop selling and you can never stop audience building. So as you went into this journey, went, instant success was not as magical unicorns as we'd hoped for everywhere. Take us through some of the, you know, when you first started to grow your business and started to hire and expand team, how did you do it? What did you learn about that adventure? Yeah. So to be completely honest and transparent, we started off, uh, with 1099, uh, salespeople, uh, don't know what 1099 is is basically you don't they're not on the payroll (laughs) and you don't have to pay taxes uh when you pay them you know they they take care of their own taxes 
Um, so I started off with a lot of 1099 salespeople who worked at other agencies. Maybe a lot of them worked in traditional marketing. Uh, they ran into a lot of talks with clients where they, the client was saying, yeah, we're doing billboards, we're doing mailers, but what about online? Like, how can we, you know, do that? And, uh, I would j just basically be the referral, uh, that they would send them, they would send the client to, and then I would, uh, pay them out. Um, so nitty gritty to, to grow, started off with 1099 employees. Some of them stayed, some of them fell off. It, it happens, uh, when they're not, you know, when people aren't getting paid steadily. Um, but I came up kind of with a matrix cause I realized we were really good at what we did up until a point. And that point became kind of like a, uh, a, a barrier that I, I couldn't get past because I hadn't charted the uncharted, right? I hadn't. I had only done up to what I was good at, uh, without, and this is, I'm being really open now, but without like looking around and seeing the people who were around me, what they were great at and what they could take and run with. Um, I realized four or five years in that everything was bottlenecking at me. Um, so I had to grow. Um, so we came up with a plan, um, to where I, I charted up until I couldn't chart anymore and then found people that I could put in place to then chart the uncharted if you will uh on the uncharted for us looked like coming up with repeatable processes um coming up with uh, uh re reporting software for our account managers uh coming up with the or finding the best crm for our salespeople to utilize uh and then hiring out a sales manager to hire the salespeople under her uh and handle that aspect of things so now when i'm called in I'm called into the bigger deals or I'm called into the strategy meetings uh, or I'm called into our startup now, which is a new, you know, social revenue, a new company actually that has been built off the back of the Montgomery group. Uh, but growth was, growth was, it wasn't something that I naturally wanted to do um, because I think personally, I kind of wanted, <laughs> I, I, I wanted the Montgomery group to be about the owner, right? The owner, I've built this and here's what we're doing. We're doing great and I can handle all this work. Um, but over time to get to that next level. And when I say next level, I mean six, seven figures opposed to first eight figures opposed to being okay with, you know, Oh, we made 250 grand this year. Woo -hoo. Uh, to get to the next level and actually help people and bring them up and provide for people, uh, you just have to trust people. Uh, and you have to hire smart and you have to fire quick. Um, and that is that adage is true. I, I love this because, you know, this is, this is a really interesting, there's a tipping, I call it a tipping point almost because, you know, especially because I work with a lot of design creatives in, in my, my business, there is that moment of what do you love about it? You know, do you do you love the delivery and you want to be the creative, in which case you have a maximum capacity to you think about how much you really want to work? Because that means hours, clients, deadlines, all of that. And then there's the conversation of or do you want to bring those contract employees, the 1099 if you're in a U.S. based market, but contracted employees and give them stable employment and let them take the lead and run. Then there's a conversation, I need to get out of the way. That's a very tough transition. And it's because you're right. It's only as far as what I know and that I can't go beyond it. But that's when the fundamentals, and I always say to people, the systems that get you to the first 6K 
are not going to be the same ones you use at half a million north. Yeah. It's just, I want you to be visioning. Yeah. What systems might come next? What team or hire might come next? Because for you to scale without killing yourself or imploding, yeah. you do need to think about your business differently and get out of the day-to-day -day and become more strategic or bring in a strategic partner if you're like, actually just want to play. I like yeah. creating it. And so I love in this journey, you know, that you said I I had to be self-aware that I was I was a limiter to what could come next. And and yeah, eco plays a role in that. And I, I think if you're honest, you have like this 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 is something I created. And so letting go is challenging. I'm curious when you did, when did you know that next gear was really fast and fun? Yeah. So honestly, it was when I started thinking about selling my book of business is when they so you know for the for the longest time I'm like the montgomery group this is a legacy company and i have four kids so i'm like one of them will be smart enough and they'll take over the montgomery group and this will be long lasting right um but i but thinking that way really limited growth in my opinion or, or for me personally because i'm so into it and i, and I just want to you know continue getting clients and continue getting this but when i shifted my thinking away from selling my services and started thinking about selling my business is when everything switched. So in order to sell a business or a book of it, like we have quite a lot of clients and uh, who are RV dealers and auto dealers, um, which bring in, you know, a very good majority of our, um, of our revenue. Um, I started thinking like, what would it look like to sell the, uh, the automotive book of business that we have? Right. And the way to sell that is to have uh, salespeople, sales management, account management, uh, uh, and, and all the things around that. So that if it were to be purchased, you were giving somebody a company turnkey, turnkey. And that's really, really when I started, started that shift, because I was, I was thinking, you know, okay, if, if we build this up for the next two years, we could sell this book of business for seven, $8 million. And that's a good nest egg to, to, to have, uh, or I could just, each year see the growth in it and see that number of purchase be bought out and continue growing it that way so that's taken us uh, uh just leaps and bounds ahead uh, of a lot of agency owners uh that i that i talk to now i think you are absolutely ahead of the curve and it's one of the things that you know if you're listening in the audience is thinking about what is your exit strategy this is you know it, it doesn't have to be you know immediate but it's really important to think about what is the bigger plan and I love there's a real awareness that if you are the business and, and many times that's where we start, it's like, what happens if you needed to step out? It could be because you step out to retire or you step out to be not as an active day-to-day -day management or involved team player, but what happens? Because the disruption could happen anytime and you hope it's on your own timeline, but having a thought to where are we going mm -hmm. beyond growth? Right. What is the exit plan? And when you first thought about what if my legacy business isn't the way this exits, what did you feel in that moment? Uh, I've, I've felt I need to create something new. <laughs> ah, interesting. <laughs> um, I need to innovate. I need to create something new. What, one thing that led us into even the automotive world was paying attention to new tech uh, that was coming out. Um, we were one of the first adapters of, of uh, omni-channel platform uh, to run programmatic advertising. Uh, I was really, really big in auto, in the automotive space. 
because uh, we were going up against huge companies who were very uh, tied into the automotive world traditionally, but not digitally. Um, and what they were doing was just finding a third-party service, upcharging you know the, the the real cost, and then selling that to all their clients. So it was really easy for us on the programmatic side to, to swoop in at almost half the cost and take this uh, take that business and, and do a better job because we were actually the ones running the programmatic, not you know a third party who hired a third party who hired a third party. Um, so. In, in, in that sense, and I, I think I'm leading off of the question here, but uh, uh, when we start, so that that's what brought us to the automated world, just innovating and, and being new. So over these 10 years, with all the marketing we've done for all these different industries, from healthcare to law firms to automotive to, I mean, you name it, brick and mortar, all this, we uh, we ended up amassing like a lot of data uh, and we've restructured that data into a, a new business. And I think I've forgotten your question. <laughs> That's okay. We'll lead through it. Uh, you know, this is interesting because you talk about innovation. So you, if, you, if you're thinking to yourself, okay, growth, exit plan, what do we do? How do we keep it interesting? How do we, how do we realize, okay, what do we feel when we're suddenly in this moment of transition? And many agencies would go into a rhythm. Yeah. And the rhythm could be you know, the runway could be 10 years and they just keep churning. Some will die and some will go. The only option is to do something new. And you chose the innovation route. Talk to us about how innovation has shifted the way you see it. It's obviously brought in a second business to you, but your hallmark in your business is that we do things differently. We could compete against the big guys because we were, I'm going to use the word agile, but how important is innovation and why do you feel that it's a non-negotiable. Yeah. So, I mean, innovation for us is imperative. For me personally, I, I always, and I, I I preach this all the time to entrepreneurs and freelancers and all this. If you're not spending an hour a day or at least every other day looking at what's new in your industry, you're, you're going to fall behind. And I, I ran into a lot of those agency owners, agency owners, uh, who do the same thing that they did, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they just have more vendors now, but they're, they're always going to be where they are. Like you said, they fall into a rhythm. So they're not going to, I don't know. I, I just want more. I, I want more for uh, my team. I want more for my family, uh, for my legacy and all that. Um, so as far as innovating goes, we, we have to stay on top of the tech. Uh, it allows for opportunities for our current clients to always have an upsell. Uh, that's been a fun thing about innovation. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a lot of clients who really care about the services they're paying for. So when it comes to SEO or it comes to SEM or anything like that, they want to know the details. They want to know how we can get better, how we can tweak campaigns and, and tweak budgets. And anytime we're able to, you know, well, a lot of times where we're able to tell them about new tech that's happening or new strategies or new ways that people are utilizing data. They're so intrigued and they want to try it because they trust us because they know that we're on top of it, right? Um, so upsells come very easy. When I say upsells, I don't mean every single client, but I mean, you know, this attorney in Boston, they could probably use, you know, this for, new form of advertising to, to re-engage with people or, uh, you know, this RV dealership that we work with, maybe the data that we got from this uh, outdoor camping expo can can benefit them somehow, right? 
Um, so consist- consistently thinking about that. And I know that's hard, especially when you have a book of services where you're like, you know, digital, you have website design, website development. Let's say that's all you did, right? Design and development. If you use WordPress and you use one theme <laughs> and you stick with that theme two to three years from now, that theme is going to be a little bit decrepit and you're going to have something else to, to build on, right? Um, with AI now, you can have scripts built just by telling it what you want it to build. So it, it's imperative to always be innovating in order just to, to, I don't know, just to be long lasting and to feel new. I never want to fall into that complacency um, ever, ever. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in, I'm on the same song she said. And I think this is an interesting one. And this is, you know, for you to be considered not a commodity in any industry, it is about being the strategic thinking partner and leading new conversations, leading new technologies, leading a conversation of what more could we do? Because if you are not proactive at that conversation, somebody else is. And there is great truth to that a tip that you shared, which is, you know, even if you're spending one hour every other day, um, you know, what is possible mm-hmm. is a huge strategic advantage of having that conversation. And nobody's expecting you to have the solution yet, but to say we're watching the marketplace, we're leading the conversation can be hugely valuable. So I'm curious, you know, because you've now got two businesses, you're still in high growth, you're, you've got a wider team, and obviously now hundreds of clients you're serving across the country. What's the roadblock that you're facing today that you need to overcome to keep all wheels on the bus running in the right direction? Oh, um, the roadblock we're facing today, this is on the audience rent side of things, uh, it, it's a new it's a new road, it's a new highway, it's a new city <laughs> that I, I haven't experienced, but it's the world of, of funding. Uh, and since we're, you know, we've been uh, given the opportunity to work in a really innovative uh, incubator here in Oklahoma, it's one of the best in the country. Um, and we're surround, our office is surrounded by VCs, uh, venture capitalists, um, investors, and all this. And, each month we get the opportunity to pitch and talk to them and, and pick their brains and whatnot. So uh, right now we're being offered a lot of funding, um, you know, seven figures in funding. And the that I'm facing is because we've had a successful agency and now we're working on a startup, uh, I have to get out of my own way and look at what fund, how funding could help support us uh, opposed to, you know, white knuckling and saying, Hey guys, we don't need funding. We can make this happen. I've made it happen before. Um, was a really interesting, uh, problem to have. And it's, uh, it's mind numbing and, and it's, uh, what the magic eight ball. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, it's frustrating because I'm so used to having the answer. And with the Montgomery group, I can control things. I, I, I I'm the, you know, the CEO and I run things well with audience friend. I have partners now that we brought in because I guess we learned to trust people. Uh, we have partners. And so every, every move that we make affects a body of people. Um, so that, that's been a really, uh, it's been a really interesting thing to talk to different VCs and learn how funding works. And honestly, I didn't know how easy it was to get funding. And I didn't know how, um, low of a success rate the startups had. And, uh, 
Yeah, that I, that's my answer. That's that's the hurdle. Do I accept money or not? <laughs> well, this is an interesting thing because you know, I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice. Trust yourself. You know, this is the thing. The reason you feel confident where you are with the Montgomery Group is because you have years, lots of decisions, yeah. lots of failures, lots of hmm, that was expensive, or ooh that that was painful, and yay that was an easier win than we thought. And I think you know when you go to something new, we all are thinking, I need the 10 steps. The truth is we don't need to know the 10 steps. We need to take the first one. And the first one always is trust yourself Mm -hmm. and trust yourself to figure it out and to become the person that needs to be in this new space, which is completely independent of the other. So I'm going to be cheering for you because I love, I love the innovation. I love the drive and I love the, the big picture thinking of how do we make impact in a new way? How do we do something that is never done before? And the answer is we have to just create it. And so this has been a super fun conversation. Innovation is the heart of what will perpetuate success in any entrepreneur's journey. Final thoughts as we wrap our conversation today. What big piece of advice would you give to an entrepreneur who's on their journey? First 10 years of business. Wow. First 10 years. Um, (laughs) I would say... Learn how to sell yourself, become an expert in your field, uh, and and concentrate less on what your competitors doing, what your peers are doing. Uh, I've found the best success in my career by putting my head down and creating, um, and then showcasing what I'm proud of. Um, I think that's that's the best thing you can do is just create, showcase what you're proud of, and that. I mean, and when you're proud of it, you sell better. You sell yourself better. Uh, when you know what you know, and you can walk into any room and out and over explain one uh, minuscule you know, part of what you do. Uh, I think people, I think the right clients will appreciate that. 100% agree with that. It is about know what you stand for and your passion will carry you a very far away been super fun, Dominic, to have you as our guest. Guys, that's another awesome episode of the Evolve Printer After Hours podcast. Before you go, if you love this, we'd love a five-star review. And if you're an entrepreneur who's got a story to share, some great wisdom for our community, we'd love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes. And until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, I want you to be thinking about how do you innovate and how do you take your ideas and own your own lane? Dominic, thanks very much for being our guest. Guys, we will see you on our next episode.